you for instance like you will you will leave a legacy on this planet of like mr bell i don't know about that (laughs) no 100 percent. you will 100 percent uh yes i don't know i i don't think what i'm doing is like that unique or different i think it's essentially apex twin but with 2021 drums (laughs) <laughs> nah <laughs> and like nah Skrillex sounding basses <laughs> no i disagree i disagree i think you've you've created something really special that is timeless welcome to the mr bill podcast i'm anand harsh editor-in-chief of the unst.com bill's manager and literally this weekend i will be his chauffeur Big changes are coming to the podcast. We're going to be announcing those soon, but get ready. Subscribers will be streamlining things in an effort to make things easier for you. Stay tuned for all the information you need to know. There's a poll up on the Patreon page for a couple more days to help us chart our new direction. Give us some guidance, subs. Thank you for continuing to support the show. I'm lucky enough to have spent some quality time with today's guest, Sodown. Aaron River Wright is another sweet baby angel. Got a great run of true sweethearts on the podcast. River is a sax man. He also makes incredibly banging bass music. In fact, his Deadbeats collab with Bill, Eskimo, recently crossed the 1 million streams mark on Spotify. Aaron's fall tour has been off to an explosive start with his buddy Defunk, and now he continues into the Southeast and Mid-Atlantic in November with some other great guests. All his info is at sodown.com. On October 29th, Bill will be at Nightmare Festival playing a Kill Bill set. Then he's off to Freaky Deaky in Houston for a back-to-back with Freddie Todd. Then he's in L.A. for Pandemonium Halloween on 31st. That's another Kill Bill set. On November 19th, he's in Austin headlining Beyond Existence. And November 20th, he's at Otherworld in Ohio for the only Mr. Bill Gates set of the year and a bonus IDM set. Then he rings in 2022 with a Kill Bill date supporting Ganja White Night in Detroit on New Year's Eve. Tickets at Linktree slash Mr. Bill's Tunes. Finally, head over to MrBillsTunes.com to sign up to become a hardcore Abletoneer. This is how you become better at making electronic music. Do it. Okay, that's all for me. Enjoy Bill's chat with Sodown. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Sweet. All right, man. Well, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm glad we we finally have arranged a time to get together know, on this right? podcast. Yeah. It's uh talking, talking about it, it forever. It's been a really uh long time coming. Yeah, how's how's life? How was the everything? <sighs> everything. How's um, everything, dude? Explain everything to me. <laughs> yeah. Um everything is everything. You know, um, some uh, pretty significant ups and downs lately, but um, I'm really grateful to be back doing shows and yeah, kind of getting back in the groove of things. 
Yeah, I saw the Mission Ballroom show, man. That looks sick. There was like big LED yeah. wall and big fucking yeah. pillars with lights on them and shit. Yeah. How, um, like how, when you're designing a show like that, how much are you thinking about that versus how much do you employ a team to kind of deal with that for you? Like half and half, probably. Like, I always like design the rigs and I always design something that's like, you know, basically impossible <laughs> with the budget that we have. Right. And then uh, my team kind of like narrows it down and says, this is what we can afford. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. How big is your team now? Um, well, let's see. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven people. Nice. And that's what I guess like you, agent, manager, tour manager, photographer, animator, video guy. Um <laughs> No, it's more like uh me, uh two managers, um you social have two media. Fucking managers? Yeah. Why? One's like more day to day and one's more like big picture stuff. Interesting. Yeah. It's like one um, manager manages the other. Mm, it's more of like a team thing. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, but then they they have uh, an assistant, and then I have a social media manager, and then a tour manager, and then an agent. Hmm. Crazy, man. Yeah, you've gone like, you've gone huge with the whole electronic music career thing. I feel like you, you <laughs> did everything like properly from the beginning. I feel like my my career has been so hodgepodge together. It's like up until last year, I didn't even have like a business account for like Mr. Buildings. Oh, it was just like, I also going have into... a business manager. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so eight yeah. People. yeah. Up until yeah. like literally maybe a year or two ago, I didn't even have like bank accounts for the Mr. Bill project. Like it was just all going really? to my personal. Yeah. It was just going to my personal account. I was like, yeah, it's just money that I'm earning. Like I had no idea how to run anything. Yeah. And, like I my, went my, to, I went to like two semesters of, or no, two or three semesters of business school before I transferred to music school and then dropped mm. out. Oh, that makes a lot of sense actually. Cause yeah, mm. you, you've definitely got like the business side of things very clean. Yeah. And I sold drugs in high school, so <laughs> that probably <laughs> helped with, Damn. with money. Just weed. Just weed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, before it was legal. Sounds but a lot worse when you say drugs. I know, I shouldn't say that, right? <laughs> yeah. I sold weed in high school. That, that sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think everyone had that phase. I also sold weed in high school. Nice. Um, although I do not believe weed is legal in Australia still. So, really? still what I... Yeah, I feel like I Australia is like so progressive. Like they had one mass shooting and they fucking said nobody can have guns anymore. That's like the one progressive thing we did. But like other than that, right now Australia is in a complete police state lockdown. Like it's crazy, man. The government has gone like full authoritarian mode. And Jesus. Everyone is like only allowed to leave their houses for two hours a day. You're not allowed to enter or leave the country. Like there's people, Australians like are stuck out of Australia and there's Australian uh, people stuck in Australia and it's a fucking mess, man. That sounds like a shit show. It is. It's a mess isn't Oscar, show. isn't Oscar touring soon? Like how's he, how's, oh, are there yeah. exceptions? Yeah. 
Yeah, so there's ways out and the way you have to do it, I think, is you have to go from Australia to New Zealand, I think, and then do like a long ass quarantine. And then I think you have to go like from there to somewhere else and do like another quarantine or something and then you can come to mm. America. Damn. There's like a whole exit route, but it's like very expensive and complicated and time consuming. That's crazy. Is is Australia like more liberal leaning or more conservative or is it kind of just a whole different thing? So when I was growing up, it was more, um, oh, it's weird because we call liberal over there the opposite thing. Um, oh, really? So, yeah. So in Australia, you have two parties. You have the Labor government and the Liberal government. And the Labor government is kind of like the good one that you want. Like the people who are like doing shit for like the middle class worker and, you know, people yeah. who are like, you know, worried about the environment and all that shit like that. And the Liberal government is like more like the conservative government here. So it's kind of backwards in Australia, which, you know everything is backwards in australia toilet flush backwards it's yeah yeah down. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah damn so well uh, both parties say they do stuff for the middle class but yeah, one no. kind of does and one kind of doesn't in the u.s it seems like at least i don't know i don't know i'm skeptical about the whole thing regardless of my political views but right yeah yeah politics is pretty messy at the moment i've been watching this documentary lately it's like a mini series on um 9-11 on mm. netflix and man that shit is what's crazy. it called it's called fuck what is it called um i don't know it's like it came out like very recently if you just like search 9-11 documentary netflix 2021 you'll find it did you see uh seaspiracy i did dude that was crazy that made me like so i after watching that and reading another book called Eating Animals by John Safran, I'm like totally vegetarian now. Are you? Yeah. Wow. But you, you call yourself. Food? Yeah. Yeah. It was really sad, honestly. Sorry. It was I call really sad. What? You call yourself the EDM Joe Rogan. And he's uh, like a straight up carnivore. I know. I did for a while, but no, I'm like, <laughs> kind of fuck that guy, to be honest. <laughs> really? Oh, I yeah. like him. Uh, I think his, cool. a lot of his views are pretty backwards. He got me in. He got me on trouble in trouble on Twitter. Really? Kind of. I mean, so I was listening. Like you know, he's kind of like a big leading voice on MMA shit, right? Yeah. So I was like, you know, he's he's a fighter. He probably knows what he's talking about. And his view on trans athletes in sport is like, you shouldn't be allowed to be a trans woman uh, and and fight. Uh, cis women in mma mm. so i was i said something like that on twitter in some thread or something where i was like <clears throat> I yeah like this. you know you shouldn't be able to <laughs> that's what i've heard on the joe rogan podcast <laughs> and right. twitter twitter just like shut me the fuck down dude i got like massively kind of mini canceled for a minute there. <laughs> i had to yeah. write like a big apology letter and shit um Damn. and yeah that's what you get from taking facts from fucking joe rogan well, that's not a fact, really, though, is it? It's it's yeah, his yeah, opinion. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. I don't know. I like his approach to things in, you know, at least in a lot of things, not not like saying this is the way it is, but just kind of like questioning everything that's going on in a certain situation. Yeah, as far as like mass media reach goes, like in terms of people who can reach a lot of people, he's probably yeah. like the most open-minded one. Yeah. Like he's definitely a lot more open-minded and uh, open to conversation than like CNN and Fox News and shit like that for sure. Oh, for uh, sure. But I still think like 
uh yeah i don't know his platform is so big man that, that must be like such a crazy burden of responsibility to have on your shoulders hey right like fuck i have to like uh make sure i don't like say anything out of line or i i wonder if he's even cancelable at this point he's so big like, yeah i kind of doubt it like I don't know. There are some people that are immune from cancellation. Like it seems like a lot of rappers are immune immune from yeah. from cancellation. Right. And or like, don't, like I don't Donald know, Trump, like Donald right? Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was like so many sexual assault allegations towards him during his like running up to his presidency, and then they all just disappeared, and everybody forgot about it. Or at least that's what it seemed like. And it was like, okay, that's fucking bizarre. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. <clears throat> yeah, that was crazy shit. Anyways, um, how you been? I've been good, man. I've uh, mostly been like the last few weeks just working on album release stuff. I just put out that album, Phantasmagoria. Which, by uh, the way, is so fucking sick. Thanks, man. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I put a lot of effort into it. It was like my whole quarantine project, basically, which just went into like these 15 songs it was actually like 30 or 40 songs but then i like paired it all the way down to 15 which is the first time i've really been able to do that like write way more songs than i need yeah and be like all right what 15 of these make like the best flowing album or whatever rather than i feel like when i was touring a lot i was just sort of trying to like throw crap together all the time for shows and like put it out so i could get some media attention here and there so i could pull more people to shows and like yeah it's just this kind of grindy vibe how many albums have you done <clears throat> oh shit i think this might be like my seventh or eighth wow though That's amazing. the first like four or five i pulled offline because i hate them so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of funny how that works huh yeah like a lot I of mean, my older part shit, of I'm me like, that thinks like i wonder if aphex twin like hates his first album or like right? i wonder if boards of canada hate their first album or you know, because I still love that old shit, um, but they probably listen to it and go like, oh, that's like fucked up or whatever. I don't know. Right. I think I, d- I just was prematurely putting out music and prematurely doing shows and shit like that. I probably should have waited a few more years and have more experience before I decided to do any of that shit. Nah, dude, I don't think so. I don't think so. Like, I don't know. I think it's important to like get that experience and to like put your music out there and start playing shows early. Like I had only been producing for like two or three years when I started playing shows and I was a producer before a DJ and, uh, or performer or whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I think that shit's valuable. And like, yeah, sometimes I look back and I'm like, Oh, you know, I should have waited, but I learned so much by just like getting out there and playing shows in the beginning because like there's an art to being a performer as well you know yeah there certainly is there's also like an art to being a social media presence right like asking the right questions on instagram and twitter and like posting the right kind of content to get like uh, reposts and likes and uh like Mm -hmm. posting the right kind of shit to get like the right kind of response that you want for the content that you're putting out and stuff there's like a whole art form to that i feel like as well Well, it's like, I don't know, the way I think about it is it's just like, I don't know, I guess there's a few ways to do it. You can be like a, like an icon or something, you know, where it's not necessarily you as much. It's more like a, like a persona, yeah, a fabricated persona, 
like someone like, I don't know, like Marshmallow or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or you can just be you and see what happens. And that's kind of yeah. what I've done. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah, if so. that's the right way to do it or, or not, but I don't know. I'm not, I think I'm, it's... Just, I'm not really that guy to like be a persona, you know? Yeah, I've always gone under the ethos that it's easier to just be yourself because then you don't have to like put in much effort. It's just less work. <laughs> yeah. To just be yourself. Whereas if you have to like go, oh fuck, I have to like jump into marshmallow mode or whatever, then all of a sudden yeah. you're like, shit, I have to like, maybe, fuck man, I, th- I feel like I'd start to forget who I was or something if I was like 50% of the time in this other persona mode or something. Right. Like, who am yeah, I? I wonder. I wonder how that kind of works. <laughs> like, I'm sure it's just a team at this point, right? Like, I'm, I'm yeah with Marshmallow. I'm sure it's not. Uh, sure, I'm sure Marshmallow himself probably doesn't post any of his own thoughts on his social media at this point. It's probably just like a team of PR yeah. agencies and stuff like that. Maybe, probably. I wonder if he has input on it. I don't know. Marshmallow Marshmallow seems like such like a uh like created thing. Like he has a literally a brand of marshmallows. <laughs> like do you know who Mo Shalizi is? Yeah, he's uh Jaws's manager, then he became Marshmallow's manager, right? Yeah. And dot com's manager, and I think I think Marshmallow was maybe Mo's idea. Um, right just to like create like an icon and you know the most like sellable marketable thing they could think of um Mm. but i don't know it seems to have worked pretty well (laughs) yeah that makes sense have you have you ever chatted with mo no i've never chatted with mo but i follow him on social media and stuff right yeah mo shalizi is definitely like probably the biggest manager that's out there right i don't know I don't know. There, I'm sure there's others, but he's definitely um, like publicized himself. It seems like, mm. you know, and I think, yeah. yeah, they have like a brand of marshmallows called like, I don't know. I don't want to butcher it, but it's like stuffed or something like that. And it's like marshmallows with chocolate inside them. And it's like, they're like in Walmarts and shit. It's fucking crazy. Let me Google this. Marshmallows, marshmallow brand. Let's have a look. The best yeah. marshmallow. Wait. Oh, jeez. This is gonna be hard to find. Oh, get jet puffed. Jet puffed. Nah. No, that's craft. Dandies. Marsh. Marshmallow. Is it da- no dandies? No. It does have a little marshmallow face on it though. Yeah, they're <laughs> stuffed puffs. Stuffed puffs. Stuffed puffs. Holy shit. <laughs> it's crazy Jesus man that doesn't actually even look like his face on the front of it though no but it's his, it's it's his whole thing if you like look at images you'll see like yeah like pictures of like marshmallow holding the bag up and shit damn that is crazy yeah that's that's Kanye does that shit too right or where he's like you know I'm gonna go down this whole other route of selling vitamin water and shit yeah. It's when I mean, you start to Grizz branch just out. did it too, right? Who? Grizz, Grant. Oh, uh, yeah, with Undies, just, right? Is it? Uh, he did a promotion thing with them, I think, but he just started his own brand. 
of like weed stuff. Oh, I saw that actually. Yeah. 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 I think at that point when you're starting to branch out, you're, um, with your money that you made from music into all these other crazy investments, that's when you start to go from making, you know, musician money to making like angel investor money. Yeah. Definitely. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I mean, another I'm, revenue stream, right? Yeah. I would hope that they enjoy what they do, but yeah, it is definitely a crazy revenue stream. Also a crazy amount of work, I would assume. Yeah. I wonder how much is done by them specifically and, you know, done by someone else. Yeah, I'm sure marketing teams, once you get up to that sort of grizz or like grammatic or whatever level, um, probably come chasing after you a fair bit too, right? Because they're like, hey, we have all of this marketing skill and all of this intangible, sh like this this shit that means nothing without like a face or a brand behind it. Mm -hmm. How about you be like the face and the brand behind it to give our thing some tangibility and then we like put two and two together and then bam, we have like this crazy thing that like is just generating insane amounts of money. Yeah. I'm sure that's probably how it works. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure in like, you know, in Grizz's case or whatever, but probably in Marshmallow's case. I doubt he's like, oh, yeah, and this is what we should have is the ingredients in Marshmallow's, you know? <laughs> like, he's yeah. probably like, for sure, put my name on it and make me a bunch of money. Yeah, give me $100 million. Let's go. Mm -hmm. um, I saw for Subtronics' Red Rock show, they had like two giant monster cans on the stage. Uh, yeah which i'm sure was not his creative decision of him being yeah. like you know what i think we should have is like two giant monster energy cans on the side of the stage this is what i've imagined right. as my grand goal like sitting on the bus yeah. in high school listening to like mixes and being all inspired and shit i was like one day i'm gonna play at red rocks have two giant fucking red bull cans <laughs> on the side of the stage it's gonna be so sick right yeah i'm sure uh i don't know it didn't monster sponsor like who was it? Datsik or something like that? Like, they did a tour and... No, it was Rockstar, I think. Mm. It was Rockstar. And they had, like, a huge fucking Rockstar banner on the side of the bus. And it's just, like, I don't know, extra promotional money. Maybe that pays for the tour, too. Yeah, I think you know? that's, that's probably... If somebody offered me, like, hey, you have to have a Red Bull can on your stage and in return we'll pay for like this huge LED wall and all of your lights and everything. I'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Just chuck it over there. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then their name has to be on all the fucking flyers too, like Red Bull Presents and right, yeah. shit like that. I don't know. Right. It gets it gets to that level at some point. Yeah, know. but I, I hope that fans are discerning enough to realize that when an artist does that, it's so they can just walk away with more of the money that they're earning from the show rather than having to spend all of their guarantee on production right yeah it's pretty crazy right like touring if you if you do it big or you do it right so to speak like it doesn't really make much money at all no. or maybe maybe it might even lose money sometimes you know like depending on how how all out you go on like a light rig like if you're touring with production and a light rig. I don't think fans realize this, but um, yeah, like all the money from the from the tour is basically spent on paying yeah. everybody, and you know, renting the lights and 
paying someone to run it in hotels and flights and bus or van or whatever the fuck else is going into it. But yeah. 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 The one time I tried to do touring, quote unquote, right, I walked away with negative $5,000. And yeah. it took like six months of my life and like all my energy. And at the end of it, I was like, this is so dumb. I hate it. I don't want to have anything to do with this. And I wanted to quit music after it. And really? then, yeah. And then like six months later, I jumped on a bus tour with Beats Antique as yeah. their opener. And I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. Just like fucking be an opener for a bigger act who's paying for all the shit and putting in all the energy and right. just jump on their bus and they can deal with all the problems. And I can just like open the show for 500 bucks. I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm walking away with more money this way and putting in way less energy. And now I just get to be in the studio writing music and all of this shit. Though I, that's a, the problem with that model is like yes um idealistically you have a better life doing that and it's like less work and less stress uh, and you walk away with a little more money and all that kind of shit but you never get to that like big 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 stage where you can like you're the headliner and like you have all the lights and the huge fan base and you, right. you're the one who's like curating this very special uh unique experience for everyone yeah that's the thing for me and why i try to like tour right so to speak uh is like it's just like my curated vision you know and i don't know it just feels it feels right to do it that way in right. comparison I'm to like you know i love opening for other people as well um but you know there's something special about a headline tour where the that that set is like all your energy you know, and your yeah. visuals and, and, uh, you know, all the, all the work that you've put in is like displayed for everyone. Yeah. You know? And like, you know, that the people who are coming there are coming there because, because of you, it's mm -hmm. not like at a festival where you're like, most of these people might be like, this is their first time they've ever heard of me or something right now. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely agree in that sense. Like when you're doing a headline show, it's nice to think that like, oh yeah, these people came to like see me and hear what I'm doing. And that, that gives gives you like more comfort to do your thing rather right. than having to like pander at a festival or something. Um, speaking of curator visions, what what is your, like what, how would you describe or articulate what your curated curated vision is for your show? I mean, it's it's always kind of changing. Like, I don't know. I'm always changing as a human and my vision is always kind of changing with that. So um, I'm just like trying to express that through my music and through my show as it as I evolve as a human, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, I love the idea of like living in the moment and this really immersive experience that is just kind of like overwhelms your senses so you have no choice but to be present because so i think that's something that i've struggled with and i think it's something a lot of people struggle with these days with just like constant distraction is just being present and and living in the moment couldn't you say that the show is a big distraction from being pre like isn't really being present sitting there with your own mind and like it it can be um but it can also be like a state of flow for instance like 
when you're in the studio and you're not thinking about anything except for the music that you're making, like you have presence in that moment. And uh, I want shows to be like that for, you know, my fans and friends, basically hmm, just like an, an enveloping moment of, uh, yeah, presence. Like you want, it sounds like you want some, you want to create something that like demands people's attention so much that they can't pay attention to anything else other than that at the time. So they're kind of like forced into this because I feel yeah. like really what like presence is, is just like a direction of attention, right? It's like, what are you paying attention to? And like when you're on phones and social media and all this crap, you're like, bam, bam, my attention's going like right. everywhere, right? A hundred percent. But like you're saying when you're in the studio and you're like in that flow state, your attention is just like completely on the production. Mm -hmm. You're saying like you want to just create this show where where people's attention are com is completely diverted in, in one direction, not many directions, and therefore like feels like they're kind of more centered or something. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like if you think about the things that that you really enjoy in life, um, like I know you really like mountain biking. Mm -hmm. Um like when you're when you're mountain biking, at least for me, like when I'm snowmobiling or dirt biking or uh skiing or you know anything that like forces your mind to focus really hard because of you know in those situations like potential dangers and whatever else but like anything that focuses your mind on one thing alleviates you from all the other bullshit that 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 little voice in your head is constantly talking about yeah so I that's, agree, man. that's what i want to do with shows totally yeah mountain biking is so good at that actually because it's like it's this forced flow state because mm -hmm. if you're if you're not in the flow state like the the price you pay for not being in the flow state is so high yeah uh that right? you have to be and uh yeah that, that's one thing i really love about it it's like as soon as like on the uphills and shit you're like oh yeah fuck this this sucks like riding up a giant hill to get to the top of the thing um, yeah but even like, yeah. even in that you have to like focus right because it's it's a challenge and you have to work with your body and your breathing and your mind to be like, no, I can do this. Yes, you know? but also I feel like a lot less than when you're on a downhill. Um, yeah, you're, you don't have to right. think as quickly or whatever. So I'm like, mm -hmm. usually when I'm going uphill, I'm like thinking about all sorts of shit. I'm like, I uh, feel like I'm, my as Sam Harris explains uh, his meditation experience, I feel like my brain has been hijacked by the most boring person alive. I'm just like, oh yeah, I need to like get a haircut. No, I should probably like vacuum my room later, and like I should like just start thinking about all this bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, right. but when I'm on a on a downhill, I'm like, shit is just happening so fast that yeah. I can't possibly be thinking about anything else because if I do, it's like not good what happens. <laughs> right, like you might hit a stump or a big ass rock and go flying over your handlebars. Yeah, you just have to be concentrating on your line constantly. Other otherwise yeah. you're fucked. Yeah, and I, I imagine the same with skiing. Or like yeah. dirt biking or whatever. So I've never uh with so you dirt bike, that's like a motorbike, right? Yeah. Dude, that's so sick. Yeah, I, I've never actually really been into that, but uh, it looks crazy. Dude, I bought one this this past summer and I haven't gone as much as I wanted to because like right when I bought it I got super busy with music again. But um last winter when we were all kind of in quarantine, uh I bought a snowmobile then and <laughs> a couple of buddies have snowmobiles as well and we would just like shoot up to the mountains and then you know you just fucking go out into the back country 
and like wherever you want to go. It's such it's such an amazing adventure and so much fun at the same time. Do they use like a crazy amount of fuel? Yeah. (laughs) I don't uh... I don't like that part of it very much, honestly, but they are they are like working on electronic snowmobiles. Yeah, I'm sure it's these snowmobiles. They're just like not there yet. How do they get traction on the snow to like move forward? Like what's the propulsion mechanics? So it has a it has a track like similar to like a tank or something, mm. but there's only one. There's one track, and then there's like these massive paddles that stick out perpendicular from the track. And I have I have like a, a big mountain sled or like a powder sled, which like has these huge paddles on it. They're like three inches long. And then uh, it's like a hundred and I don't know. I actually don't know what the measurement is. But it's this long ass track. Like the whole snowmobile is like thirteen feet long or something. Like it's a huge contraption. Jesus. And um yeah. So you have to get like a trailer for that to even like yeah. get it up to the mountain. Yeah, unless you have a pickup truck. I'm just I don't have one what though. A snowmobile looks like I've oh these yeah. things look so sick. Yeah, dude, oh, they're man. so fun. It's like jet skiing on the land. Yeah. And oh, it's really man. crazy, like the ergonomics things... of it. Oh yeah, I see the track. How much do these things cost? Mm, like a new one like the one i have is uh summit x and you can get like they just a couple years ago they came out with a turbo one and they're like 20 grand damn so you spent 20 grand on a snowmobile no no i got a used one damn i mean even still it's probably like 10 grand right yeah in there for sure and then they they need fucking maintenance all the time because they're the they're like crazy ass engines that um just like break all the time (laughs) damn well that's 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 good that you're making money now because i remember last time we chatted i think it was when we made eskimo in like 26 17 or 18 or whatever you were like man i'm not making any money like basically you were just grinding at the time trying to like build a fan base but you're paying everybody and stuff so like the the yeah the sodown project was making money but it, right. all of the money was being dispersed into like the project again via like you said production or paying people or whatever yeah i mean it's still kind of like that like i pay myself a salary but it's still like a really small percentage of what the sodown project makes mm. What what's the percentage that you pay yourself as a salary if you don't mind me asking you don't have to tell me uh, yeah 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 just curious how you break it down business wise because I think I think last time I did the math it was like between 10 and 15 percent and that's gross on net profit that's gross Mm. let me let me just do some math real quick okay I like it you're a numbers guy dude this is like I try to be this side of shit is the side of shit that gives me so much anxiety so I just ignore it and I ignored it for so long yeah, like twelve percent. Okay, <laughs> I mean that's yeah solid. I mean if your if your project's turning over, well, like I don't know, fuck. I mean my project, all cards on the table for people listening, only turns over like a hundred grand a year. So if I was paying myself twelve percent, I'd be making twelve grand a year, which would be like that's yeah. like less than minimum wage. Yeah, I think I probably make less than minimum wage by like hours, but it's it's a livable wage for sure. I don't know if I, I'm pretty open with my like income and shit, but I don't know if I want to put it all over the internet. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I care or not yet. Right. (laughs) 
Well, the, I think the only downside to putting that kind of information online is um, the danger that you pose uh, to devaluing yourself to other promoters, right? Or yeah. overvaluing yourself to other promoters. So like maybe you right. wouldn't get the booking because the promoter would be like, oh, he's way too expensive. Or maybe yeah. a promoter would be like, oh, that's like way less than I thought. <laughs> and then they might like lowball you or something. Right. The whole music yeah. industry is like that. You kind of have to like keep all your cards hidden for this reason because like people are just trying to fuck you over and book you for way less than you're worth and shit like that yeah right and then there's like those plays where it's like you don't make much money but it's like a big exposure play and it's like oh we should do this but we're gonna lose money and it's like i don't know yeah you you have to think about the long game right (laughs) like how can i like how many fans will i potentially make from doing this play right Um, and then how can i like take those fans and re-monetize them later to sort of remake that money back or regain that loss. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. It's gotta be like a balance of the two, right? Right. And that's what that's what like touring, like to go back to the the previous conversation we were having, like touring properly in quotes with like a light rig and all that shit is like, you know, that's really an investment in your future more than anything. Mm. And like, you know, it's your your curated show, but like the next time you show up, people are probably going to expect that from you. Yeah, you can't do a, a show with like big production and then go back from there, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like giving somebody an offer for something. Be like, hey, man, I'll pay you like 500 bucks to do this. And then they're like, sure. And then they do the work and then you're like, all right, I'll pay you 300, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like even like big ass artists that like headline Red Rocks and shit, um, they don't they don't really make money a lot of the time on that show specifically, but that show just like gives you so much clout and it's such an amazing experience that everyone's willing to do it for free. Essentially, you know, you could make money, but you know, I think most artists that get to that point, they have the mindset of like curating the most amazing experience that they can for people. And they want to do that in one of the most legendary venues in the world. Right. They're like, this is just a really expensive business card. Yeah, basically. Or like, you know, it's just a really amazing experience for everyone. Right. For it's all like their fans. Worth it for the quality of the party. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, have you played the Gorge? I've not. I've never been there even. I've seen, uh, actually, I don't even think I've seen photos. I've heard about it a lot though. The Gorge. Yeah, yeah I definitely want to play there at some point. Have yeah. you played there? I haven't, but I'm about to. Uh, in like a week For like a festival or something wow, it yeah it's crazy dude it's so crazy bro wow yeah it's kind of like red rocks but like with a way crazier view yeah that's that's up in seattle right or near washington or something it's in it's in washington yeah but Jesus i don't think Christ. it's too far i don't know red rocks just holds such a place in my heart and i'm like a colorado native so i feel like i have to be like Red Rocks is the best. I mean, <laughs> but Red the Rocks gorge is... looks amazing too. Yeah, Red Rocks is really special for sure. I've I've uh, only had the pleasure of playing there um, as uh, on the the door slot. I played the door slot twice, opening for Dead Mouse two nights in a row in 2017 as Electricado. Sick, um, dude. But I'm but I'm about to play the second slot after doors uh november 14th this year oh yeah dude i love it moved up one slot (laughs) 
What's the date on that? November 14th. November 14th. Yeah. Have you've done Red Rocks, right? Yeah. Did you did you have on it? Or did I'm you, out of no, town. You would have probably I been wish I could be there. I'm out of right? town. No, um I was uh first opener for Pretty Lights in 2017. Oh, okay, um, so you did the door slot too. It wasn't doors, it was like an hour after doors or whatever, so it was like already mm. filled out a bit, which I'm super grateful for, but Yeah, I prefer I've, when they do it that way. Yeah. The door slot is like I don't know. It's fucking awesome, but it's also like, yeah, come on. It's kind of <laughs> you know? fun, man. Cause like when I started, there was no one. Like I was looking up to an empty amphitheater. Yeah. And then, and then everybody just like, comes fucking yeah. running in. Yeah. It's yeah. just like floods of people coming in. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, this is crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a really exciting moment for sure. Yeah. It's uh, like the energy is like very amped at that moment because everyone's just getting in there for the first time and they're all like, yeah, it's Red Rocks. <laughs> Yeah. So it is kind of fun, but yeah, it's, I'm sure it's way more fun to play like the direct support slot or the headline slot. Yeah. I am hoping to do something there next year. We've like kind of steered away from Red Rocks um, for, for the past few years. Uh, mostly for mu- like we got paid like, like four times as much to do some festivals and stuff and mm. i don't know i kind of regret not doing it um but we had some offers to do it and we we didn't do it um but next year like i don't even give a fuck about the money i just want to play red rocks again <laughs> yeah for sure and would that would that be a headline play or a um would it be a direct support play for somebody i'm not sure yet right. um but, but i mean you just did you sell out the mission recently no, no, we didn't sell it out, um, but we did way more than I've ever done before in Denver, so right. that felt how many, good. How many tickets did you end up selling there? We did like 2,500. Yeah, it's crazy. That's like bigger than the Ogden. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, yeah, it's bigger than the Gothic, so. Yeah. Yeah, there's not like a like a 2,500 to like... 3000 cap room in Denver. That's like the only tier that's missing in Denver. Um, mm. So like you got to do the mission. Um, but yeah, Denver's really special in that way, right? Because there's basically all the tiers that you need to grow in a city. Yeah. Up, like down to like, you know, like Larimer Lounge mm-hmm. to like Cervantes other side in the black box. And then, you know, you move up to... The Bluebird, which is like six fifty, and then Cervantes Main Stage, which is like, I don't know, what is it like, like twelve hundred? Yeah, 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 like twelve hundred. And then there's the Ogden, which is, I think, like fifteen or sixteen hundred. And then uh, there's a gap to the Mission, right? Which is um, like four thousand. <laughs> yeah, which is like four thousand. And then and the Fillmore huge also. Gap, right? I think there's yeah. a huge gap between Red uh the mission and Red Rocks, which is like Well, there's there's like First Bank Center, right? Which is like six, I wanna say. I'm gonna yeah. look real quick. Yeah, man. I was I'm so surprised at how well Ganja White Knight have done. They sold the First Bank Center out three nights in a row. Which is crazy. Dude, they have such an amazing dedicated fan base. I love it. I think it's so special. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. First Bank Center is sixty sixty five hundred for a concert. Right. So in, 
you're saying you'd prefer not to go there. You'd prefer to just go straight to Red Rocks and do a thing there. I mean, I guess yeah. I mean, of course, at the mission, you'd probably want to do yeah again, right? I've probably been trying mission again just to sell out Cervantes <laughs> main room for like years now. I can't do it. Really? Every time I, I get so close, I always get like nine fifty or like nine hundred or like I always get very very close, and then I've still never sold it out unfortunately yeah it'll happen yeah, it'll happen maybe, yeah maybe if i keep doing these podcasts <laughs> yeah dude we'll see the podcast the podcast yeah. no and your music is fucking amazing man and like i don't know i feel like you're you're really like dialing in your sound which i'm honestly really envious of like i have such a diverse uh such diverse sources of inspiration that I make like all kinds of music. And I feel like, I don't, I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like it, it like negatively impacts like career and numbers and all that shit because I'm just like kind of all over the place and I don't like have like a dialed in sound. I mean, I feel the same way. I think a lot of people feel that way. Like, if, like my new album starts with ambient music, right? And then like yeah, it works it its all... way up to the heaviest dubstep ever and then it works its way back down to like glitch. <laughs> yeah, but it all has your sound, right? Like, mm. I don't know. And maybe I have that. I'm just like too close to my music to realize it. But Yeah, I think that's what it is. I have yeah. that too. <laughs> yeah, okay. But at least like I, I kind of know what you mean. Like fans... Uh, they almost have to be like shepherded through the experience of what it is to experience your music, right? Like they have to, it has to like make sense for them like rationally and logically in some way or whatever. Otherwise they like won't get it. Yeah. Um, but I, I like how you've tried to do that with um, adding like shapes to your covers and like one yeah. of the shapes represents uh, so heavy and then one of the shapes represents so groovy and then the other shape represents so chill. Yeah. Do you want to like explain that concept? Yeah, totally. It's basically like, I don't know, uh, my way of, of branding, you know, the different sounds that I feel like live within my music. Um, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of gave up on trying to make one genre of music because I don't know, it's just, it's kind of boring to me. Like I love all kinds of shit. I love making all kinds of music and, you know, like I'm a multidimensional being as I, I'm sure everyone is, of course, but like, I don't know. My music is just a representation of how I'm feeling and what I'm inspired by at that time. And I feel like the majority of my music, um, you know, fits into one of those subgenres, uh, not genres even sub niches of my sound yeah the way i tried to solve this problem was i just started naming my eps the exact genre that they were so mm. i was like i uh, called one of them wub ep because all the tracks just had like wub bases and then i like named my next ep uh idm ep because it was just all idm and then i named my next ep halftime ep because it was just halftime and then i was just nice. gonna like go through all the genres and just like name them all so people could like make the connection like oh that's bill doing halftime that's bill doing idm that like that's what to expect yeah. when when that listening fits. yeah yeah it's like building up a um like a lexicon with the fans of like this yeah. is what this word means to me <laughs> right um, and then i kind of just got sick of doing that and was like fuck it i'm just gonna do an album yeah 
Yeah, I uh, I feel like an album is an amazing step in any artist's career, and it's something that I really want to do. Um, yeah, why have you not done here one? Here soon. <sighs> why have I not done one? I'm going to do one. Okay. I'm going to do one. That's what I'm working on right now. Cool. I don't know why I haven't done one. Uh, I have like a bunch of starts. I'm working on an EP and an album right now. Um, cool. But I was like, I don't know. I was super depressed for a while just in like, in being a vulnerable human, something I'm trying to do more of honestly lately. But um, I was really depressed during quarantine and I just like kind of acted with a lot of like escapist behavior, um, you know, snowmobiling all the time and playing video games. <laughs> Nice. Like it was really fun, but I, w I, w I really wasn't inspired. Uh, yeah, until a lot of recently. artists derive the the inspiration from shows, right? Like they kind of need that like in and out flow between the fans and themselves. Absolutely, kind of absolutely, and like that energy is is it's really special, you know, and doing streams and stuff like it just it just doesn't it's not the same at all mm. um so i think that was lacking for a lot of a lot of artists and uh yeah i was one of those right for sure well i mean seems like you dealt with like somewhat healthy i don't think video gaming and snowmobiling is the worst shit you could have done i mean like a lot of people no. including myself went right down the rabbit hole with like alcoholism and you know, yeah. drug use so yeah, yeah, and I, I'm grateful that, you know, that wasn't my path at that time. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I started going to therapy recently. Dude, and, therapy's um, sick. Yeah. I also It's, like, that. nice. Yeah, I don't know. I always kind of had this mentality, like, that I didn't need it, you know, because my life was good and, and I should just shut the fuck up and get to work, <laughs> you know, like, stop being a bitch this is my thought process. Like, um, but recently it's like, okay, you know, like if I can do something to be a better person, then why the fuck would I not, you know, at least give it a shot. Mm. So uh, I'm giving it a try. I had like one session and it was really, uh, it was really cool to just talk with someone about, you know, what's on my mind and, and get an outside perspective. Um, but I've only had one session and I hear it takes like a long time to really get, get a, get some benefit from it. But I kind of felt it right away, honestly, but I'm yeah. not fixed. That's for sure. Like, right. I'm not like, Oh, I'm just fucking happy all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of work. I think, um, I mean, I'm not super far into therapy either. I've only been doing it for a few months, but, yeah, it definitely helps a ton to have somebody who's kind of like seen all of the problems before. Just mm -hmm. be like, you, I've seen like your problem in other people in some mixture of ways and this is kind of the solution. And the solution is always you have to do a bunch of work now, like either in the form of like right. reading some books and learning some shit or like sitting there with your problematic thoughts and like learning different coping mechanisms for them. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely work worth doing if you want to have a sustainable and happy long life right but yeah unless you're just thing, like super lucky 
but yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I was going to say mental health in like um, the music scene, especially the electronic music scene is super common. And I think part of it is that- You like, mean like mental health issues? Yeah. And I think part of yeah. it is just that the work is so solitary. Like you're always by yeah. yourself sort of in a studio um, and you're always on the internet and there's like always this pressure to be like doing, uh, you know, setting these like social- bars and having this like social value to people and stuff like that and i think that can fuck with one's head quite heavily yeah 100 percent. i think a couple things that contribute a lot to that is like you know as artists we really kind of we put ourselves out there a lot you know and at least for me like my music is a representation of myself and i think it is for for you know probably most artists Unless you're, you know, maybe some manufactured thing with a ghost producer and, you know, a bunch of marketing ploys to just. But fucking... then it's the, the ghost producer who's got all the depression and the marketing people who are all the alcoholics and like. Yeah. All the coke doers. Probably. I, I should I shouldn't judge, but like, I don't know. I read a study recently that said lawyers were like the biggest group of people to have alcohol problems. Anyway, really? go. On. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we're like we're we're like putting ourselves out there and and being really vulnerable through our music and then you're directly ranked next to other artists by metrics and, you know, Spotify monthly listeners and Instagram followers and your you know, your name is under or above someone else's name on a on a festival flyer or whatever. So it's like in the sense that you know, you're vulnerable through your music and that's who you are that, and then, and then you're directly ranked towards other people. It's really easy to fucking get in your own head and, and go down the rabbit hole of depression mm. and, you know, self-doubt and, and stuff like that, or, right. you know, like thinking that. things aren't fair and getting resentful or, <laughs> yeah. 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 I've been on that rabbit hole for sure. Being like, but I've been working at this for a decade or more, and that person just came on the scene. What the hell? Why are they bigger than me on the festival flyer? This is bullshit. And then, like, getting all pissed off about it. Right. Um, but I, I've just realized that they're shitty. I mean, so this is the other thing, right? Is like, yes, they are shitty systems to, like, put self-value on but also that could just be like my coping mechanism for dealing with it right like maybe i'm supposed mm. to be pissed off and un and unhappy about that and i'm i'm just supposed to deal with the sadness rather than convince myself it's something not to be sad about if mm. that makes sense <laughs> i think i'm understanding what you're saying i don't know i think it's it's something that probably every artist deals with at at one time or another and I don't know, unless you just like pop on the scene and you just blow up, uh, which is like, you know, the point zero 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 one percent And like even those people have probably been working for, you know, a decade or some <sighs> shit um, mm. before they quote unquote blew up. So. Yeah, totally. And, and from what I've realized anyway, is like all those artists that blow up, it's not like they're not doing anything to blow up you know like they're putting in huge amounts of work to do that mm -hmm. i kind of yeah. noticed this first when i hung out with dead mouse um i went to his house and i was like oh he's like probably just chilling on his millions of dollars in his house all the time like you know just sitting around doing whatever he wants but absolutely not true like i got there he was working he like hung out with me for about an hour and then started working again 
And then I went to bed and then woke up like eight hours later and he was still working. And I was Jesus. like, I was like, this dude never stops working. Like that's crazy. If you watch his live streams, dude, he'll like live stream for like 12 hours and not look at the chat once. And just like, he just works and works and works. And he's like on the phone with his manager every day and like having these long ass conversations, like still at his level, he's doing that. Like yeah. he designs, he designs his own live show and touch designer and stuff. Like he makes all the fucking visuals himself and shit. Like he's just a workaholic. It's crazy. And That's when amazing. I saw, when I saw that, I was like, there's no, like, it's no secret why he's big. He's just fucking works his ass off. Yeah. Like if, if I put well, in this many hours, I'd probably be that big as well. I don't know, dude. There's, there's some element of, of luck or strategy that I think plays a large and and timing too right like if you make a specific sound at a specific time like that has that has a big contribution to the success of your career right and i'm sure there's mm -hmm. there's loads and loads of really amazing producers that have put in the time and are workaholics and you know have basically dedicated their life to it and for one reason or another just you know, haven't had what what America defines as success, money and fame and all that shit. Yeah, it's kind of true. I mean, I think Dead Mouse nailed his sound in the sense that he basically took like that whole Nine Inch Nails vibe, like that Trent Reznor sort of dark melodic vibe, and then just mixed it with techno and like slammed them together, and you get like mm -hmm. this Nine Inch Nailsy sounding vibey ass uh, house music or whatever, or techno or whatever. Yeah. Um, I always think that uh, the way music evolves is one sound just gets put together with another sound and then it becomes like a new genre or whatever. Like Metallica did this with country music and metal. Right. And I think like, you know, other genres or other artists are kind of just doing the same. Like Skrillex was kind of like punk rock and dubstep or something. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's really cool. Um, yeah, it's really cool to see people that like kind of innovative sound like that. Um, yeah. Something that I would really love to, to figure out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, would you like to figure it out? Uh, mostly for the commercial reward success portion of, uh, of it or, or would you prefer to, is your sort of drive to wanting to figure that out more derived from, you think you would just get a lot of self-satisfaction out of it? No, like just doing something new that, you know, that, that people maybe haven't heard before. Um, and, you know, innovating in, in your own way that leaves a legacy, regardless of the commercial success that that brings, you know, like you, for instance, like you will, you will leave a legacy on this planet of like Mr. Bell. I don't like, know about that. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. You will a hundred percent. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think what I'm doing is like that unique or different. I think it's essentially Aphex Twin, but with 2021 drums. <laughs> nah. <laughs> and like nah. sounding basses. <laughs> no, I disagree. I disagree. I think you've you've created something really special that is timeless. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. I guess I'm too close to it to to see it, but. Um, yeah, 
yeah, the new album has been getting good response, which I'm happy about. My manager was trying to convince me while I was making it to cut it up into EPs or singles. And I was like, no, man, that's not the move. Yeah. I'm like, trust me, man, album is the move. And he yeah. was like, no, no, you got to like be putting stuff out more regularly than that. And then I put the album out and it's just gotten a way better response than any single or uh, EP. Actually, apart from our single, which did insanely well, actually, we just crossed a million plays on that Eskimo tune. Dude, everybody loves that song. It's so good. I know. Do you, what do you reckon it is? Do you think it's the sample? No, I think it's our, our combination of your like extreme attention to detail and my ability to create powerful phrasing. Mm. yeah that's probably true yeah but like i think i don't know i think people love the sample too like every time i play it at like every time i play it like i get on the mic and and scream like so much ice on and then like cut everything <laughs> and everybody screams i could be an eskimo <laughs> so like people people definitely love that that's sick. I always forget that tune exists when I'm DJing. Like I never don't play do it. that, dude. What are you talking about? I don't Why? Know, always, I guess because like I'm. I don't know. I, I have this problem when putting together sets where I just forget about all these tunes that I have that would be like perfect for sets. Yeah. Um. But that. Yeah. That's one that I. Dude, should it's work such. Back in. It's such a banger. LS Dream's been playing it quite a bit. That's awesome. Yeah, he's fucking sick. Dude, I, I love his music. Yeah, it's you all should. About, like, yeah, didn't he make like a bunch of meditation music and ambient stuff recently? Or? Yeah, he he was doing like <clears throat> meditation streams during quarantine, which I thought was really awesome. I did a couple of them. Nice. That's sick. How long were they? Ooh, I think they were like twenty minutes, roughly. I don't 20, know. Twenty minutes is like no joke with meditation. To be honest, it's like you would think, oh, it's twenty minutes. Like whatever, fucking, I could do anything for twenty minutes. But yeah. 20 minutes of actually just sitting there with your own thoughts feels like a long time. Yeah. Have you ever done uh, Wim Hof method? I've not, but I know what it is. It's like the cold shit, like you get in the ice baths. And yeah, stuff. so that's that's one part of it. And then there's, there's another part. Um, it's basically you take like deep breaths for like 30 breaths, and then you exhale and you hold your breath for a, a certain amount of time. So... You know, when you're just starting out, you do it for like, I don't know, like a minute on the first round. So that's one round. And then you inhale and you hold your breath for another like 15 seconds. And then you exhale and you repeat that cycle for like three or four rounds. Um, and it's crazy. Like you really oxygenate the all the cells in your body and then you deprive them of all the oxygen. Uh, when you exhale and hold your breath and it's crazy to see how long you can hold your breath with no oxygen like mm. on like the third round I've held my breath for like you know three three and a half minutes on an Jesus. exhale with no breath in my lungs and that is um, crazy you get this like really crazy tingling sensation uh when you like inhale again and and reoxygenate all the all the cells in your body and apparently it's supposed to do some really cool stuff, but that's been the most powerful form of meditation that I've found because it really like forces you to be present as opposed to like, you know, just just sitting there and and I don't know. It's it's like a more 
a more invigorating form of meditating for me. Yeah, that shit is crazy. I I heard Wim Hof um, actually on the Joe Rogan podcast, yeah. uh, and he was saying that he swam like they cut two holes in the ice, and he like went down one hole, and the idea was to swim underneath uh, this ice. ice water for like a couple hundred meters, and then pop up the other hole. Yeah. And um, while he was down there, he got like kind of lost and couldn't find the other hole, um, because his eyeballs froze over. Oh my god. Like his retinas froze, and so he couldn't see where he was going. Jesus. And they had to—I think they ended up having to like cut another hole and like pull him out of there. But I was like, "Dude, why? Why would you? Even, why are you doing this?" That's crazy. Yeah, he has like a—I don't know what you want to call it—like a school or a program or whatever. I think, or maybe it was just, maybe he just like got a bunch of people together to show that. Uh, it wasn't just him. Like he wasn't some sort of freak, you know, mm. and they like inject these people with a really harmful bacteria. And he like talks them through the breathing exercises and they like eradicate the bacteria from their body. Like if you were to get injected with this and not do like the Wim Hof thing, you would get like really sick and throw up and, and yeah, just be like ill but Jesus. they like all these people like conquer it with the Wim Hof breathing method. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's fucking mental what your body can do if you just give it the right things. Yeah. This is um yeah, one of the things I think therapy is helpful for as well. It's like if you just know the right things to do, like things, you know, and the right things to identify, life just becomes a lot easier. Right. Yeah, like if you don't have a roadmap, then it's so much easier to spiral. Right. No, yeah, I guess people, I mean, I, I definitely forget how important oxygen is for body and water as well. So if you just right. drink enough water and breathe enough air, you'll feel a lot better. Yeah, 100%. And we're all like shallow breathers now. Like right. <laughs> society has, uh, yeah, curated us for one reason or another to like not breathe deeply. It's like Why some critters. I don't know. Cause everything's so easy, right? Mm. Back in the day, you had to like run to go fucking get your food or right. like work really hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of true. We've been like lulled into this like really simple lifestyle where we don't have to do anything. Like yeah. I can have just you... press buttons on my computer in a certain way and like literally all the food I want will get like brought like five meters away from me at my front door. <laughs> right. Have you um have you read The Comfort Crisis? No, but that's a good title. Oh, dude, it's it's like one of my favorite books. You should read it 100%. All right. Yeah, I, this is one of the things I love about this podcast is every time I do it somebody recommends me a good book and Nice. Michael Easter, I think I've heard of this guy before. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's it's written in a really awesome way too. Like the way he bounces back back and forth between basically this story of going out into the Alaskan bush just away from everything and everyone and going on an elk hunt uh and he bounces back and forth between that story and like like facts about society <laughs> like one of the things that i learned uh from that book was like americans spend an average of 
12 hours a day in front of a screen. Yeah, totally. It's just completely fucking mind-boggling. And us as producers, right, it's like probably compounded even more. Yeah, we're like bringing that average up for the people who are only using screens for six hours a day. <laughs> right. But also, I mean, everyone who works in a in an office building just sits in front of a computer and then what do they do when they get off they go home and they sit in front of their tv you know right or yeah, scroll like, social can't media wait to, <laughs> can't wait to get away from this bad screen so i can go home and look at a good screen right <laughs> right yeah it's pretty wild but yeah he goes on this crazy ass adventure in the alaskan bush and just like endures a bunch of physical and mental hardship uh and that just makes him a happier person essentially yeah i mean if you reset your baseline of happiness to be this like horrible uh uncomfortable thing then as soon as you put yourself in a more comfortable position in right. comparison you're going to be like this is awesome yeah yeah 100 percent. i think we that's, all um, go ahead uh i was uh gonna say aubrey marcus does this thing in uh his book own the day own your life where he's like every morning i take a freezing cold shower and he's like every part of my body is uh and my mind is telling me don't turn on the cold water because it's very uncomfortable yeah but he's like after that the rest of the day is easy because he's like i've conquered like the hardest thing of my day there and then totally yeah that's like a wim hof thing too Mm -hmm. it's like basically put yourself through hell yeah. <laughs> and then and everything else yeah. will seem like not hell. Yeah, but cold water is actually really good for your body, apparently. Mm. Yeah, I've heard this. Yeah. I don't know the exact science of it, but I went to a, um, a glacier lake with my girl, a uh, hundred drums. And it's like, it's called St. Mary's Glacier. And there's a lake right at the bottom of it that's just like all glacier water runoff. And we got in it (laughs) and it was just like so intensely painful and invigorating, but it was an awesome experience. Fuck. That sounds extremely uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever done anything like that? No. Uh, Have you ever done a a cryo chamber? I've not. No, I've done saunas. So kind of the opposite, I guess. Yeah. Saunas Um, are awesome. Yeah, I can stay in the extremely hot sauna at this place called Banya, which is like a Russian bathhouse in San Francisco nice. for like probably three to four minutes. And then actually, yeah, when I get out, there's like an extremely cold plunge next to it that, that I go in. So oh, like nice. the, yeah. the difference in temperature is like a couple of hundred degrees difference. Um, right. So I've done that, but uh, I don't know if that really... I can only stay in the cold one for like three or four seconds, but there's people there, man, who just stand in it and they look like totally comfortable. I'm like, how are you doing yeah. that? It's so uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, you have to like, it's the same thing as taking a really cold shower, right? You have to control your breathing and control your mind. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, dude, thank you so much for doing this podcast, man. That was, uh, yeah, a super interesting chat. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been awesome catching up with you. Yeah, likewise. Is there anything you want to plug? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I want to plug your new album. I think it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Sweet. I mean, I'm what sure is, that, What is the be meaning good. behind behind that word, phantasmagoria? 
Oh, so Phantasmagoria is like a form of horror theatre where um, uh. people like sit in a cave, like Plato's allegory or whatever, and then yeah. they shine the, the light behind like puppets and then you're sitting in front of the puppets so all you see is the, the shadows. Um, and I just like the, the, abstract, uh, the concept of uh, abstraction between the observer and the message being sent. Uh, and uh. I think music is a form of that abstraction. So like for instance language is an abstraction right like i i'm trying to explain a concept to you right now and i know exactly what the concept is in my head but the only medium i have to get it to you is words yeah so like this medium is like an abstraction it's like a layer between the thing in my head and you um, yeah there's there's an interesting analogy there between reality and everyone's perceived reality right so if you imagine uh like a rock or a boulder and it's got all these different like crevasses and, and forms to its shape. And then, so you, you can think of the rock as reality. And then if you were to throw a blanket over it, that would be, you know, my perceived version of reality versus if you threw a blanket over it, that would be your perceived reality. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's just an interesting idea. Right. Yeah. So basically phantasmagoria is just like the idea of like music just being this abstract layer between the way I'm feeling and what you get out of that. Right. So it's, so it's, it's almost kind of, like, like it's a your middle album is, is the of, blanket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My album yeah. is the blanket and that's like kind of the meaning of phantasmagoria. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I love it. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate that. Super cool. And then, uh, I don't know, I'm going on tour in the fall. Um, really excited about that. I'm working on a bunch of new music, a new kind of like bass EP, um, which is going to be more in like the funk, reggae, bass music world. And then an album, which so far is kind of just a bunch of different, a bunch of different styles that, uh, have been coming out when I've been writing music. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking be at playing your, uh, a lot of that. I'm looking I'm at be playing a lot of that. Tour. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like um pretty much if you're anywhere in America, you can see you between the dates of September and November, pretty much the months, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, big tour and then excited about next year. Um I think I might take some time off and and really work on this music or uh do do some like bigger support stuff in the fall um and then I've got some out of country shows. I don't know if they'll be announced by the time that this airs or not. When does this air? Do you know yet? It'll be weeks and weeks from now. Okay. Um yeah, so I might have already announced those. But yeah, I don't know. A bunch of exciting stuff. Um, new music, new shows. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. The, right, next, the next evolution. Hell yeah, dude. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. You, thank you so much. And we got to write another tune, bro. Yeah, I'm 100% down. For sure. Yeah, let's do it.
Hey, thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. These episodes are edited and uploaded by Robert Fumo. You can also support the show, get early access to episodes and hear bonus content by going to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bill's tunes and becoming a patron. Uh, Please rate and review on iTunes unless you're going to be a little shit about it. And all the links to my various platforms are at mrbillstunes.com. Thank you. I know what I'm doing.